When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. And if you're watching on the YouTube version, you can already see my esteemed guest here, Andy Staples, senior college football writer from The Athletic. Joining us right here on Gators Breakdown. We planned this last week. Andy had a busy week last week with The Athletic, and we got him on about a week after his, uh, his big article he released on The Athletic last week. So, Andy, uh, thanks for uh, hopping on Gators Breakdown. Oh, happy to be here, Dave. Yeah, so, hey, let's get straight into it. You had the article last week on the athletic title, how a once-dominant college football program fell permanently two steps behind. And the word permanently sticks out to a lot of Gator Nation. Yeah, I don't write the headlines. (laughs) Hey, that was a question. I've been saying that since my newspaper days. I don't write the headlines, and I don't. Uh, That was one of those, I was like, "Eh, I don't know I would have gone permanently. But if you you – Ms. and Mr. Editors think that it's permanent. Okay. I don't think it's permanent. I think it's hard to overcome in this per- particular environment right now in the SEC. Uh, Kirby Smart being as as young as he is and basically taking the mantle from Nick Saban and, and running with it. That That's the problem that, that I think Florida's up against. And it's not, it's not really dissimilar from what Gus Malzahn was up against, against yeah. Nick Saban in the past decade, where it kind of almost doesn't matter what you do. You can be good and you can be really good, but you might still not be good enough to beat your rival. And that's a, that's a weird place to be. Especially for Gator fans. And we'll get into it a little bit, but you know, for since 1990, you dominated Georgia for so long. And it was, it was, it was just second guess. We're going to go to Jacksonville and we're going to beat Georgia. Georgia had a really good team in 2002. And it's almost like we got to find some 80 year olds to come in and be like, you know, (laughs) Georgia used to dominate this series. This is not new. This has happened before. All I have to do is go to my dad. He's like, you know what? He he enjoyed the 90s more. And I think maybe anybody more than Sprayer because he grew up in Jacksonville, a Gator fan. He was tired of losing to Georgia. And, you know, you you got that streak going. So, and let's go into it a little bit. And you, you talk, you know, Scott Strickland was mentioned in the article as well. And there was a quote in there, you know, he said, since we won our last national championship, we've had years We've had some good success, high-level success. Um, and he goes on to say, we've had incredibly erratic with some incomprehensible lows that you wouldn't mm-hmm. expect at the University of Florida. So, Andy, there's been four-win seasons. There's been six-win yeah. seasons, losses to Georgia Southern, Vanderbilt last year, Muschamp, McElwain, Mullen, now Napier. Are those incomprehensible lows more than just win-loss record for Scott Strickland? 
I, I just think he's trying to find a way off that roller coaster. And it's really hard to do. It's it's hard to be what Georgia is right now, what Alabama has been, what Florida was. And the question I think they're wrestling with right now is, is this something that Florida can do on a regular basis? Can they have that sort of success on a regular basis? Or was it a result of having two legendary Hall of Fame coaches? Because Steve Spurrier and Urban Meyer don't come along all that often. So, you know, can you be successful all the time? Like, I'll give an example. Ohio State is always good. Look in their history. Find find a down period. There isn't one. Oklahoma is almost always good. Other than mid to late 90s, Oklahoma, through its history, has always been good. Florida hadn't been like that. Texas hasn't been like that. USC hasn't been like that. Alabama hasn't been like Georgia hasn't been like that. It's not it's not that easy to do. And so what what Strickland would like to do is get Florida to a place where it can be consistently in the playoff hunt in the national title picture and with 12 team playoff coming in I think that's a reasonable goal. You know, winning the national title as much as Florida did 3 times in 18 years, well, actually 3 times in in 12 years. That's probably not a reasonable goal that it, it, we've seen it happen with with Alabama, and I think we're going to see Georgia win three in in probably that that time span or more compressed time span. But it's not normal. It's not something you should expect. What you should expect is to try to be something like Ohio State has been, something like Oklahoma has been, where you are good every year, and a lot of years you're great. And that's that's what they want to be, but they're not there yet. And and the roster that they had when they fired Dan Mullen was not going to get them there. So they hire Billy Napier, who, according to basically every coach you talk to, they will say, other than Kirby, Billy will follow the Nick Saban process more closely than anyone. He he understands what works and what doesn't. You know, a lot of a lot of the folks who get hired after they've worked for Nick Saban and say, oh, I, I took everything. I know exactly how he does it. But then they don't want to do the things that Nick Saban does that are unpleasant. Like Nick Saban is the lead recruiter on Alabama's top 10 recruits every year. Nick Saban has the same recruiting meeting every week at the same time. His calendar is filled out 18 months in advance. <laughs> it is not a particularly fun life being Nick Saban, but it works. Kirby does that. Billy Napier does that too. The question is, can Billy Dapier do it as well as Kirby Smart or Nick Saban? And we don't know that yet. You know, I, I look at Saban getting to Alabama, and Saban didn't take over a particularly great roster at Alabama. I, it was not, it's not a good situation. That was, remember, Jimmy Johns was one of their better players, yeah. the linebacker that they converted from running back. He got caught selling drugs in the parking lot of the facility. Like, like they had problems when Nick Saban took over to Alabama, but he really fixed that roster quickly. You know, and and this this first full cycle recruiting class was that 2008 class. So that's Julio Jones, Dante Hightower, Barrett Jones, uh, Robert Lester, Mark Barron. It was a murderer's row. It, it's the best recruiting class of all time. If you talk about the results mm. and and what what you know, what those players wound up doing, I mean, Mark Ingram won a Heisman. Julio is going to be an NFL Hall of Famer. Dante may be a Hall of Famer. So that's what. You're being judged against Kirby. 
year two, goes to the national title game, wins the SEC. Now, I would argue that Kirby took over a lot better situation Absolutely. than most coaches. Mark Rick was not doing badly. It's just that Georgia figured out that, that good was the enemy of great in that situation. Napier took over a situation that was closer to what Saban took over. And the problem is, you look at this recruiting class that, that he just signed, and, and you look at the, the results on the field, and you're like, hmm, I don't think he's going 12-2 and two this year right. like Nick Saban did in year two. And now part of that is probably because there was no other Nick Saban and there was no Kirby Smart in the SEC at the time. Now, the, Les Miles is coming off a national title at LSU, but it wasn't the same and you had level Urban. of competition. And you had Urban. Right, you had Urban. But, it, it was, and, but Nick didn't have to play him. Right. At the t every year. And so it was it was a different time. And that's what Billy's up against now. He's up against Kirby Smart, who has the best program in college football and doesn't seem to be slowing down any way, shape or form. You have Nick Saban still being Nick Saban. And I realize we're all predicting disaster. They might lose two <laughs> games again. Uh but, but they're still going to be good. They still are incredibly deep, have a bunch of NFL players on their roster. Now you have Brian Kelly at LSU. Mm. Brian Kelly, who was, was doing great at Notre Dame, considering the level of difficulty, goes to a place where the degree of difficulty actually drops from Notre Dame. It's easier to win and build a roster at LSU than at Notre Dame. So now he's there. And you've got the right, like, but you've also got Josh Heupel's got Tennessee better. Shane Beamer has South Carolina feeling like they're on, on the upswing. It's a, this is a tough oh, Florida struggles with Kentucky now. <laughs> right. Oh, and by the way, Florida State is finally not a disaster anymore. Yep. They're run very competently by Mike Norvell. And, and Texas it, Oklahoma on the way. Exactly. Exactly. So that's that's what Billy Napier is up against. And I, I, will, I just mentioned Norvell. If you look at what happened with Norvell, I think that's sort of the model for what yeah. you'd like to see from the Napier experience where he took over a situation that was not good. They didn't have the, the resources to just turn around and fire him after a couple of bad seasons. But if you watched, you know, they were making incremental improvements every season. Kind of, you could kind of see it every week and you realize, okay, they're getting better. And then year three, they're pretty good. Year four feels like a potential breakthrough year. Now, we'll see. You know, I, they might not live up to the preseason hype, but they're certainly in a much better place than they were when, when Mike Norvell got there. They, they fixed the offensive line. They have a quarterback they like and more in the pipeline. They have playmakers at receiver. They have NFL guys all over their defense. That's what Florida State's supposed to be. But they certainly weren't that when he got there. And everybody was ready to throw him out of town, but they just fired Willie Taggart and they couldn't do anything about that. Well, here's Billy Napier. He's got, what, a $31.8 million buyout after this? Mm -hmm. They ain't firing Billy Napier. It doesn't matter how bad they are. So he's got a chance to actually do this the way he wants to. It's up to him to figure out if that's going to work or not. You know, And if it does, then they could potentially land on that consistency that they're looking for. Uh, I, saw, I saw an on-three graphic yesterday that I thought was interesting. They were, they were looking at some players, uncommitted 2024 players. Oh, yeah who are, are, are high on Florida. And it had a, it, the graphic had the Gators, and, and they were the, the higher percentage because that's who they're pro projecting them to commit to. And then the other, the team that's kind of second for them, well, 
if you look at some of the teams, Clemson, Georgia, like that's not who Florida was beaten for players in the Dan Mullen era. Like they that is what Bill, that's what Billy Napier's that competition. Do. Yeah, yeah, they wouldn't even they wouldn't even be in the hunt for those guys. So that's that feels different. Yeah, right now, and so now it's May. Those guys have to commit. They have to sign. But if you can do that, if you can land that plane and DJ Lagway comes and he's as good as everybody thinks he is, then maybe you got a chance. You know, that that's the thing. The patience with Napier is going to be forced. Like, I don't think there's anybody excited about what's going to happen this season. I think, you know, eight wins is probably that feels like a ceiling to me. Maybe I'm wrong. That's but, what I'm at, too. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it could be seven. It could be six. It might be five. Vegas, you know, Vegas had five and a half. I thought that yeah. was a little low. I did too. One game but, more. I, I, but six and a half, I had no issue with. But five I think, and a half, I think I was that's like, fair. Yeah, 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 six and a half would be fair. So, but they, but you got to be patient. And and as you know, Dave, there's a lot of the fan base that is not patient. That that grew up, on, you know, basically woke up on third base. Yeah, and and was like, huh, oh, this is like this every year, <laughs> and. You know, I because I, I grew up a South Carolina fan, so I was just used to losing, used to getting clobbered every year, and end up going to Florida and walking on at Florida. And at that period, it's just it's just win all the time. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing but success. Everything but a national championship feels like a failure, and that's not normal. <laughs> it's no. not a normal outlook. And, you know, maybe at Ohio State, maybe at, at Alabama, they've got the history to feel that way. Florida doesn't actually have the history to feel that way. You've got two coaches who did this, Steve Spurrier, Urban Meyer. Nobody else has been able to do it. So it might be this kind of hard. New merch, new sale, new Gators Breakdown merchandise available at GatorsBreakdownMerch.com, including this shirt I'm wearing. It's dropping just in time for summer with new designs. You can get yours with a 25% discount right now. There are plenty of options to choose from, including men's, women's, t-shirts, tank tops. Use promo code YTSHOPPING25 to get our biggest discount ever and support Gators Breakdown while celebrating the Gators with these stylish summer looks. That's promo code YTSHOPPING25 for 25% off. Click the link or head to GatorsBreakdownMerch.com to take advantage. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Part of this, you know, Scott Strickland, I, look, there's a lot on his shoulders, I think, with this. And yeah. um, I think you, you said the, the patience might be kind of forced. It might be kind of forced from his angle, too, because is he really going to get a chance to hurt to hire a third football coach Yeah. if it doesn't I, work out with Billy Napier? So I my thing it. is – He's going to be as patient as possible mm-hmm. because he needs this to work mm-hmm. out. And you hope yes. that doesn't dig the hole 
even deeper for Florida because he has to hang on to Billy Napier. Well, and that's that's the gamble. Now, if the season's bad, they're not going to fire Billy Napier. If the fan base or the more importantly the the influential donor base, if they decide they want to want some blood for this season, if it's bad, then I, I think and I think Scott Strickland understands that. I think he understands the position he's in and that if things aren't going well because the the cost is so high to fire Billy Napier, they're going to turn and look at him if they're not happy. But again, if the arrow is pointing up, if things look like they could get better in the future, then he's going to be okay. And he can just keep saying, just be patient, just be patient, just be patient. But if it looks bad, yeah, they're, they're going to make sure he doesn't hire the next person if they think ultimately that Billy's not going to work out. Yeah, scary proposition there. So, Andy, we, we talked about it and maybe how Florida got here. But, uh, you know, in thinking about this episode and where how Florida got here, I mean, Cam Newton laptop, mm-hmm. urban health issues, Will Greer PEDs, pack the swamp comments by Dan Mullen, uh, not caring about bowl games, uh, quote-unquote recruiting season. Uh, oh, and now, gosh. recently, NIL, Jaden Rashad, I mean... Shoe throw. Please don't shoot, forget the shoe <laughs> throw. <laughs> shoe throw. Not playing Kyle Pitts in that game. Yep. Um, but Gators Breakdown says there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. But when you look since Urban and you just think about everything that happens off the field, you know, it yeah. doesn't even have... I mean, look, it probably is in relation a little bit to win-loss record, but, I mean, it is unreal what well, goes and, on and at the University I'll, of Florida. Let's just zero in on one of those things. Will Greer, I, I think he's a really good example. And I, I wrote a lot about Will when he got to West Virginia, so I understand that situation pretty well. And basically, the parties mutually agreed after the suspension that Will would be better off somewhere else. Imagine if the coaching staff there, and this was Jim McElwain at the time, uh, he actually signed with Muschamp, but this was McElwain, mm-hmm. had said... We, we got your back. You made a mistake. Stay here. We want you here. We need you here. Will would have been playing sooner than he was. So remember, this was back in the old days. He had to right. sit out a year at West Virginia. He would have come back in the middle of that 2016 season, which a season which Florida won the SEC East, by the way. Can you imagine if Will Greer had been Florida's starting quarterback at the end of 2016 and 2017? I don't. McElwain might still be here. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, yeah. It's great. And you know, since the whole um, recent storyline that we're talking about in a, in a different di- different direction. In, in twenty here. in twenty eighteen, he would have been throwing to a freshman Kyle Pitts. <laughs> <laughs> would he have been here though? 15, 16, 17, 18. That would have been his fourth year. That would have been his his fifth year. He would have been fifth, fifth year senior. Right, fifth year. To, yeah. Two thousand eighteen. By the way. The year he lit it up for West Virginia. Yeah. Nearly got them to the Big 12 championship game. Probably hoping he would have had a lot of success. He probably wouldn't have been here. Maybe. (laughs) But but it would have been really interesting to see. He wouldn't have had that time miss with the PED. So, yeah. Yeah. So, if if that had happened differently, maybe that – there's a lot of it. it I know that. McElwain had those – what? He had Jamar Chase committed at one time. Exactly. Now, I don't know that he ultimately would have gone to Florida. I I think he still might have wound up at LSU. but Probably, but if you had that success with Will Greer, he'd oh, let me go play with this guy. Well, right, and the firing, (laughs) you you know, that coaching staff doesn't get picked apart. And so, yeah, I I think you can take any one of those. Like if if Will Muschamp chooses someone not Charlie Weiss 
as his first OC, or or basically comes into Florida with a different offensive mindset. Yeah. If he says, you know what, I'm if Will Muschamp had come to Florida the way Sam Pittman came to Arkansas, mm. saying I'm going to run the offense of today or the offense of the future, how different would that have been? Because obviously they were great on defense. If he would have used Jeff Driscoll like we thought Jeff Driscoll would have been under Urban Meyer. Oh, Jeff Driscoll has <laughs> been so good in Urban Meyer's offense. <laughs> People uh, forget what a great athlete he is. Yeah. The dude's still in the it's NFL. Real. I remember watching the Jaguars last year, and there's Jeff Driscoll playing for the Texans. Yep. <laughs> uh, and it looked like Florida had their guy. Uh, you mentioned 2018, and Dan Mullen comes in, found instant success uh, with Michael Wayne's players in 18 and 19, battling Georgia, winning a lot of games. Uh, but when you have Alabama and Georgia in this league, it was always in the back of my mind that, you know, and I got chastised for it at the time, that recruiting wasn't where it needed to be uh, to catch up and consistently compete with those programs. Then 2020 comes along. Florida had all the right pieces on offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that 2020 had a bunch season, of injuries. Yeah. So Jordan Davis was hurt. Yeah. Monty Rice was playing on a bad foot. Like every, all the stars came together and it, it just crystallized COVID. that narrative yeah. that Dan Mullen's the better X's and O's coach and Kirby's <laughs> just a recruiter. And, and it's funny because you, you were always, you know, on, on the, Hey, this is not good enough in recruiting side. I know you were, and yeah. there's a lot of people who were like that, and, and it's basically people who watch other teams. Yeah, and you know, I I have the good fortune in my job that I get to see what other rosters look like. I get to watch some practices. I knew this wasn't a roster that could compete for the national championship on a regular basis, and I think a lot of other people who who followed Florida knew that. But there was this big group that said, "Oh, this proves it." Dan's the, the better exit of Kirby's just a recruiter. No, always take the just a recruiter. Always <laughs> take the person who will bit you a better roster because you have a better chance of winning consistently with a better roster. And Andy, how, how far do you think that dropped Florida? Because look, it was going so well in 2020 and yet all yeah. the stars were aligning COVID hits and it does mess some things up and, Look, it really affected Mullen. Whatever happened in his oh, mind. Yeah, and, and yeah that- it's, it, he, he was a changed person after that. And you can't put that on Scott Strickland no. or uh, anybody in the Florida administration. Like, that just happened to them. They had a coach who had gone to three consecutive New Year's Six games. Everything's – you're like, hey, it's rolling. And he changes his mind about what he wants out of life. You can't – nobody can predict that. I mean, it, 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 it is funny how fast, because Florida was supposed to be the dream job. He had the background at Mississippi State. He had the background at Florida, returning to Florida. And you had that 2020 season to kind of point to where, hey, look, maybe it just comes together. Like, we know recruiting isn't good enough for a long-term, consistent competitor uh, at the top of the level. Now, but don't you get keep me wrong. winning, it's going to yes. come, right? Yeah, right. It, but it, it, I, don't, I think people who follow recruiting closely will tell you, they were looking at it and like, why does it look like it's getting worse? Like that was my thing. And, and again, we go back to who are they beating for players? That other logo in the crystal ball, you know, prediction matters. Like if it's got a tiger paw or a G or a Buckeye or an A, that's what you want. If it's <laughs> NC State, if it's if it's the strutting wolf from NC State, you ain't winning the SEC. <laughs> And it's funny too because you know, Chauncey Bowen's a running back commit for the Gators. Just announced over the weekend he's going to take a commit or take a visit to Georgia. And I had mm-hmm. some messages sent my way. It was like, "Oh, I guess we're going to lose him to Georgia." I'm just like, "Well, hold on now. 
necessarily. You not not necessarily, and you want that. You yeah. want the players Georgia wants, and yep. if you're ever going to catch up with them, you're going to be in these battles. You're going to see, right. them. and you're going to lose some of them too. You <laughs> yeah. have to accept that. <laughs> yes, but it beats the alternative, as you said. Of okay, we beat NC State for 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 a guy, and look, it may work out. It may work out, but more times than not, uh, it, it won't get you where you need to be. So. Andy, a big question. I did have this sent to me a little bit too with, with this and going back to your article and some things that came out from it. Is there dedication from all the parties involved at Florida to get this fixed, to get this better? Now, we see the new facility, but it took mm-hmm. time. We yeah. saw the issues with NIL, but it took time. Uh, and we know, like, if we go back earlier, Strickland's jobs tied to Napier. So, you know, where can it get better? You know, where does it need to get better for Florida to find that consistency? Oh, I think from a spending standpoint and a dedication of resources standpoint, they're where they need to be. They're, they, they're finally where they need to be. They, it yeah. took them a long time to get there, but they're there. And, and there are no excuses on that end. Like, if this doesn't work out, they cannot make the excuse like the the coaching staff can't make the excuse that we didn't get enough resources they got the resources this time but the nil stuff needed to get ironed out which i do think they have it ironed out now i think the organization they created the the florida victorious that looks like the organizations that are working in nil you know and it's basically a fundraising arm and that's what it has to be so i i think they've got that part figured out it seems like one hand knows what the other is doing, which was that was the problem with the Jaden Rashada thing. Thank you. And that, yep. <laughs> that, that's there was a lot of just I, it wasn't miscommunication. It was kind of non-communication that, that caused that. And so I think they have all that part ironed out. The question is really boils down to the basics. It was what we were just talking about. Can Billy Napier and his staff beat the Georgias and the Ohio States and the Alabamas for players? and build a good enough roster to compete with them. That's it. That That's what it boils down to now because they have the resources. They have the facilities. The NIL thing seems to be, I don't, fixed might not be the right word because we don't know. They just, they just got this organization in place, but it seems to be the right type of organization to make it work. So now they've just got to do it. That's the big question. Mm-hmm. And we won't know until we see who signs in December? We won't know until we see what the roster looks like going into the 2024 season. I know nobody wants to hear that. I know nobody wants to hear that this season probably isn't going to end in a championship of any kind. That this season, you know, if they win seven games, they're probably doing all right. Nobody wants to hear that, but that's kind of where they're at. Yeah, reality of the situation falls into place here. Like, yeah, we know this is not where it needs to be and where many want it to be. But let's just face reality here for a second. And as you said, be patient. Ha- There's no choice but to be patient right now <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and, exactly. and, and see where it goes. So, With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Andy, one more for you before we sign off right here on Gators Breakdown. Uh, Swagadelic from Gators Breakdown Plus 
Um, he wanted to know. We'll go zoom out a little bit. Let's look college football. Yeah. Let's look SEC. Yep. No problem. Uh, a bit. And he said, with the new SEC alignment and schedule coming out, uh, where do you think that's trending? I know it's been back and forth between <laughs> three six, uh, one seven. How it, that kind of is new news about maybe the SEC maybe switching and changing their mind to a one seven model. Yeah. Uh, and now also the ACC and Pac twelve. What's going on there? Uh, how, how you see that working out? So the 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 SEC scheduling thing, yes, it does seem like you're hearing more trending toward one seven. I I still can't figure out if that is just them with a hail mary to try to get a little more more money out of ESPN for the extra conference game. Because let's be real, the three six model is the only one. If those are your only two options, you don't have an option. <laughs> exactly. The three six model is the one you're going to pick. Because are you going to be it? you're going to have Texas and Texas A&M in the same conference and they're not going to play every year. That's the stupidest thing you could possibly do. Like, it's incredibly dumb. Yes. So like, I don't, I don't get it. Like Arkansas has been in the league for 30 years, has never really had a real rival. Has never been able to figure out those people hate Texas more than anything. You can make that game every <laughs> year. Did you see that game in Fayetteville two years ago? Like it was electric. You're not going to play that every year. It's and, crazy. And, and, it's and, crazy. And Texas a I'm sorry. You just got to play Texas and LSU every year. I mean, that's <laughs> well, no, they don't get to play Texas every year. They no, play saying, LSU. Yeah. yeah I'm and, saying, if it comes to that, like, oh, yeah. We need yeah, that 3 6 model. And so I'm sorry, AM, dumb. but I need also, you to play Texas and also LSU. So you spent one, you killed the Florida Auburn rivalry, which was oh, great. Man. Yes. Killed that. But then you spent how many years protecting Georgia Auburn and Tennessee Alabama? And you're not going to play him every year now? Like, what was the point of all that? <laughs> I don't. I just it blows my mind. Now, like the Tennessee Alabama thing. Uh, okay, you could have said, "Well, Alabama's kind of dominating." Yeah. Did you see that game last year? You're saying you don't want that every year? Give me a break. Yeah, it rekindled, and I think that brought to people's mind who says, "You know, that's not a rivalry." Because look, if you're a Florida fan in the '90s, Tennessee Alabama wasn't all that much. In the 2000s, it really wasn't all that much, but you know, I think that did bring up there is a history between yes. those two teams, and it's a, str- it's a streaky rivalry. It's yeah. really streaky. Like it's like Alabama Florida dominated, it's like Florida Tennessee Georgia dominated. Anyway. Exactly, very yeah. similar. Yeah. So it's it just I I cannot stress this enough. If they go seven one, it is the stupidest thing they could possibly do. And the SEC doesn't make a ton of really stupid decisions. This would be really stupid. You know how much in 2020, you know, I hated COVID, but you know how much I enjoyed those 10 SEC games? Oh, they enjoyed it too. <laughs> there were a lot of people in the league that were like, huh, 10 yeah. SEC games. That uh, sounds, that might be even better than nine. <laughs> so uh, at the ACC and the Pac 12, I'm assuming this means the off the field because, yes. uh, yeah, yeah the, the Pac 12 on the field, probably deepest it's been in years. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I don't know what happens until we see what the, the terms of that TV deal are. And, and, They've kept that really secret and under wraps because I don't think they want anything leaking out beforehand. Basically, if it's disappointing, if it doesn't match what the Big 12 does, then they're, they're at risk of losing some, some schools. And they would probably go to the Big 12 would be my guess. But if they can get something comparable to the Big 12, even you know a little less but close, I think those schools want to stay together. Yeah. So I think that, that we'll just have to wait and see what happens. The ACC's... Really, I think long-term a lot more interesting because it's not going to work long-term. They, they have that grant rights till 2036. 
if you're Florida State, if you're Clemson, if you're Miami, if you're North Carolina, who who knows that on the open market you would be coveted by the Big Ten and the SEC, you want out. You want a, a way out of that before 2036. And because like Florida State, they, they've been the most vocal about it and and just doing the math. And they're saying, you know, $30 million shortfall between what the ACC is going to pay out and what the SEC is going to pay out. And that is actually a fairly conservative estimate. It could be more than that. And just add it up. 30 million times 12 years. I'm bad at math, but that sure sounds like <laughs> $360 million to me. Well, if you look at the history of what people pay when they leave conferences, it's about six, 60% of what they're supposed to pay. So really it's just math. When, when you, when they feel like they're at the point where they'd make mm -hmm. as much where they're just at the break even point, if they could get into the sec, uh, they, they say big 10, I don't see Florida state as being a candidate for the big 10, but certainly North Carolina, Virginia would be big 10 candidates. Georgia Tech. Florida, yeah. Florida state Clemson would be sec candidates. Uh, if if you think you you can get in, and again, we have no idea if the Big Ten and the SEC are going to want more members yeah. because they haven't they haven't operated the sixteen team leagues yet. I think that's a, an important factor to think about. Like, I they probably want to see how this works for a couple of years once those teams get in, because they may say, you know what, sixteen's good, mm -hmm. that's enough, or the networks may say, adding more probably isn't going to add a lot of value to your next deal. So. That's the part they've got to figure out. Now, if the networks say, well, if you could add, those, yeah. that'd be pretty good. Now, I don't think ESPN would want that because ESPN's got its cost controlled right now with the ACC contract. Right. But so I that that's the part that that is the wild card here because if they don't think they can get in the SEC, they don't need to challenge that grant of rights. Yeah, and I wonder with this 12-team playoff, I mean, really, you're going to start getting – are you still giving automatic bids to – an ACC that looks like this? Well, it's not an automatic bid to the ACC. It's just the top six conference champions. That's right. So there's and a, you could you could yeah. reduce that number if you wanted to. Right. I, was, I guess that's where I was going to anyway. Like, do, yeah. With this new format, do they find a way to you know, kind of change their auto qualifiers? I think they're going to they're gonna look at it and, and they might tweak it if they need to. Because depending on what happens with the Pac-12 contract, you may see more contraction. And yep. basically... The race, I think, is going to be to be the clear number three. And that's yeah. going to be between the Big 12 and the ACC. And we've seen the ACC in a kill or be killed position before. Because mm -hmm. remember, that was the position the ACC was in with the Big East yep. back in the BCS era. And John Swafford, the commissioner, realized that they were in a kill or be killed situation. And so he killed the Big East. <laughs> and, now, we never, and we never got our FSU ACC or Miami ACC title game. Nope, nope. <laughs> divisions are done. Wouldn't it be funny if they wound up in the title game this year with no this divisions? This year for the last one. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty much the reason to put them in different divisions. That's we exactly all thought, right. We thought oh, they're going to play in every championship game. <laughs> But never, not even once. Because no. Jacksonville was hosting that ACC yep. title game to oh, begin yeah. with. And they were just, oh, yeah, we're going to have FSU and Miami every year. And this yep. game will stay here forever. And it never uh, worked out. Yeah, no. And I, I think the system they have now is, is quite a bit better. I think I, yeah. I, I think it's it'll be better for them because let's say Florida State beats LSU this year and then beats Clemson the first time around. And, and, and those games are both really early in the season. 
I, be- yeah. I believe, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So LSU is the first week, and right. then the Clemson game is, I think, week four. Four. So if they were to beat them – well, this this scenario, that probably is the way it works because you need Florida State to beat LSU, and you need – you probably need Clemson to beat Florida State in the ACC title game in that situation. And, you, and then if LSU, let's say, wins the SEC West – you know, the, then you've got both of them kind of in the mix for for the fourteen playoff, and in that situation, both of them would absolutely get into a twelve team playoff. Yeah, which you know, if you're the ACC, you're going to be trying to angle for those two two teams in the playoff in a year. The SEC and Big Ten are going to be trying to get four, whereas the other ones are all going to be trying to get two. I think the Big Twelve actually going forward has the the best chance of two in a lot of seasons because they're going to be very evenly matched. Yeah. Um, but if if Florida State continues to be on the upswing, if Clemson hiring Garrett Riley allows them to kind of get back where they were, then then the ACC is going to have a chance to do that. But if I'm Clemson and Florida State, I am looking at that grant of rights. I'm, I'm sending lawyers to look at it all the time, and eventually I'm just doing math. When does when does the shortfall? When did, when does it become? I'm losing more by staying here than by leaving. And I don't know where that line is because we don't know how strong the grant of rights is. If if the grant of rights holds and the ACC truly owns their television rights, they're not getting out till the yeah. 2030s. But if it doesn't hold, they can get out sometime this decade and that changes things. Yeah. We always hear contracts are made to be broken, but as you said, that one for pretty ironclad with the ACC. So, hey, lawyers find things, so we'll, we'll That's see. Exactly. Hey, billable hours, always undefeated. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Andy Staples, the athletic senior college football writer, joining us right here on Gators Breakdown. Andy, let's do it again before the season. Yes, sir. Appreciate it, Dave. See you.